This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. This is episode 315. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Family Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and I am joined as always by my lovely and wonderful wife, Mitra. That's me. And this week, it is an odd-numbered show. We have an odd-numbered guest. We want to welcome back our good friend, Stephen Dutzman. How are you? The unmitigated hype monster. The unmitigated hype monster, Stephen. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am, in fact, the unmitigated hype monster. You know what? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back. It's like an annual tradition. It's I like the beginning it. of the holidays for me. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, for us too. So, so releasing the holiday gift guide is not the beginning of the holidays. It's coming on our show. <laughs> no, because we do that in the beginning of October. You know what I mean? Like, this is just how media works now. It's like, well, we haven't released ours yet, so take it easy. <laughs> but we had a magazine we had to put out. So, like, our schedule is now like all over the place. So, and it's kind of dictated by that. So, what's interesting is um, we beat a bunch of our PR contacts to the punch. You know, like Game Right sent us their annual, like, hey, check out these things for the gift guides. And I was like, whoops. So we already did our gift guide. Um, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we already had some stuff on there. And then 2K Games, who is uh, the video game publisher that we have the best relationship with, ironically, considering they have a bunch of Headshot Central video games, they reached out too. And we had already put some of their games on our list. So fortunately, we blew some people off, but we proactively had their games on there. So the true beginning of the holiday season is when I start going on podcasts to talk about our gift guide, not publishing it because it's just we were working on it like the first weekend in October. All right. All right. Fair. Fair, fair enough. OK. All right. And Anitra, it's 315. I have a 315 related fact. Actually, thought I'd mix it up this week. I have three facts about okay. 315 and I thought I would spread the love. Oh, you're sharing. So I have... I guess sharing sounds better than assigned. I'm going to go with sharing. sharing. I have shared these facts with you and Steven. And of course, ladies first. So my fact for 315 is the most instruments used in a piece of music. See, I thought that would be like relevant and, to your interest. Well, importantly, this is the most different instruments used in a single piece of music is 315. So, so wait, I want to clarify. Point of order. Th- most different instruments, meaning like if I have five trumpets, that's one instrument? Correct. Because it, it says here, so this was uh, performed in India in 2013, and the total number of instruments used was 370 because there were a bunch of duplicate instruments. There were 315 unique, different types of instruments used. I mean, some wow. of those have got to be minor variations, but nonetheless... Like an alto and a tenor version of the same thing? Would be I'm sure that would be two different yeah. things, yeah. Also 106 vocalists, which is a decent-sized choir. So a grand total of many 476 <laughs> musicians. Did, does it say what music they played? Was it an original piece? Yeah, an original symphony composed and directed okay. by Rupam Sarma. Fair enough. You know what I really... Comedy. When I hear 106 like vocalists, like what I really want it to be is just the Halo theme. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the Halo theme with 315 instruments, like I'm down. Let's just do it. 315 instruments, 106 vocalists. 
Just put them all in the shower, and then it's the Halo theme. <laughs> Honestly, like, to do a really good rendition of the Halo theme, what you really want is a choir of, like, 300 people. Yeah, in the shower. In, in seriousness, yeah. <laughs> in the shower. So, all right, so that's your fact. I, I dig that fact. I wish I could hear it. Well, I'm sure on YouTube. Uh, sure, I bet, maybe I can find it. I mean, it seems like the kind of thing. It was 2013, so, like, yeah, YouTube is still around. There is literally oh, there- a video on the Guinness Book of World Records page. All right, for this there fact, you go. For maybe this, we'll include uh, the link in the show notes to the show. There we go. And I think that feels like a good thing to share on social. You should put that on socials when you're uh, sharing the podcast. Anyway, so you want my fact now? Because you gave me homework. And I'm excited about mine. Yeah. It is episode 315. So we're looking for facts that are related to the number 315. Would you guys believe that 315 is the number of Emmys that SNL has been nominated for? Wow. 315. I mean, it's been around for a long time. So this well, is that's what I was going to say. To accumulate that many, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. At the beginning, I was like, holy crap, that's a lot. And then I was like, wait a minute. SNL has been around for an eternity. Like, probably almost as long as I've been alive. More than four well, decades now. Let's yeah. find out. Yeah. Let's find out. Coming the up the internet will tell us. We got this original air date, October 11th, 1975. So it outages me by five years. Because I was born November 1, 1980. I'm doxing myself on your show. So, um, (laughs) and so it's five years older than me. So realistically, I think 315 is considering that show has been around forever and some of the iconic performances and like iconic sketches that have been on that Mm -hmm. show. I think, I think 315 is actually right on the money. What it's at an average of a little bit less, like, Seven a year or something like that, something, something like something that. that but that's years, still bananas so, yeah. that you're, you know, consistently averaging seven a year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, it's crazy. Plus, it is my turn. I did collate the facts for this episode, and I took the dumbest one for myself. I mean, you could have just not taken one. I, co- I could have, but you know, I wanted to be part of the party, so right. I did. In fact, take so one. Give us the dumb fact. My fact: This happened in August of 2021. So just a little bit over a year ago, Muhammad Rashid set the world record in Pakistan for the most walnuts crushed with elbow in one minute. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's a yikes right there. (laughs) Rashid is a serial record breaker and says that he practices four to five hours a day before breaking any record. Oh, and he says he injured his elbow during training. I'm shocked. First time when I broke this record, it was easy, but with the passage of time, it kept on becoming more difficult as many other players broke this record. Speed and focus was a little more tough during that training. My elbow got injured several times during training period, but it did not stop me as I was eager to regain this record at any cost. Oh, he's had the record in 2015 and 2018 and 2019 and now 2021. (laughs) Having to break more and more walnuts each time. There's this new show on Disney Plus with uh, Chris Hemsworth. You know, that homely guy from the Avengers. Yes, yes. And it's all about, hold on, I got to get it. Because this is this is hysterical. Because it's all about, like, him, like, trying to, like, reach peak performance as a human being. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to find what the show is. And How I'm many beers right can now. Fat Thor crush? <sighs> Dude, I love Fat Thor so much. Um, and <laughs> so, like, it's one of those, like, I want to see the episode where... Chris Hemsworth tries to see how many walnuts he can crush with his elbow. You know what I mean? Like this just feels like 
I would love to see, like, in a serious, like, inspirational, kind of like, you know, free solo style, like, check out the heights that humanity can reach, but have it be, like, really dumb stuff like this. You know what I mean? I can't find it. I would like a a Rocky training montage of just, like, breaking progressively harder things with elbows. Wouldn't that be (laughs) sick? Like, like, we're joking, but, like, that sounds awesome to me. I would love every frame of that. Yeah. Zach, this one is for you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right. All right. As fun as this is, we do have an obligation to remind everybody that's listening that the Family Gamers podcast is sponsored by First Move Financial. As a reminder, First Move is letting us know how they would work with a young family earning a combined $100,000 a year with a net worth of around $25,000 and the goals of buying a home and starting a family. One of the most surprising areas that a young client, like the one in our example, can get out of working with a professional advisor is in using that person as a financial coach. A lot of the conversations we would have with this client would focus on education and making sure they understood what options and decisions they had available and why those were important, like the difference between a traditional or Roth retirement account. Part of this is also having someone to be accountable to for those very short-term goals like how much is being saved each month or actually setting up a budget. And simply having some accountability is often enough to create positive change. Thanks again to First Move Financial for sponsoring this episode of the show. And you can check them out by going to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and setting up a time to talk to First Move Financial for free. Thanks so much to the team at First Move Financial for sponsoring the Family Gamers podcast and being awesome gamers in their own right. All right, at this point in the show, this is where Steven breaks all the rules. This is where Steven talks about what he's been playing, but it's not board games, kids. I mean, sometimes it's board games. It might be. It might be. Yo, wait, can I I tell you what I got in the mail today? Sure. Yo, I got a mail call. I did a TikTok about it earlier. I'm so excited. Yo, I got my copy of Flamecraft from Kickstarter right nice. here. Nice. Yeah. Did you yes. get the so deluxe I am, edition? Um, I did. I got the Kickstarter deluxe edition. You know what? It nice. turns out, you know how sometimes you get a Kickstarter and first off, I mean, Peter Vaughn, Brad Brooks, they're my boys. You know what I mean? I've been a Brad Brooks fan ever since Letter Tycoon, which, you know, mm-hmm. is one of my favorite board games of all time for an incredibly stupid reason. And I totally get it, but I love it. And so when I saw Brad Brooks, Peter Vaughn working together, I was like, dragons, cute art. I'm in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also, like, it wasn't that much more expensive to just go to the deluxe. Sometimes it's insane. And you're like, what are you, yes. what are you doing, guys? Is it? Yeah. And in this one, I was like, you know what? For what I'm getting, it's worth it. And I wanted to support them. So I was happy. The uh, Facebook group for this game has been playing the slow game, which is <laughs> trying to see who is the last person in, in the group to get their Kickstarter. And I was really hoping that it was going to be me. <laughs> Because <laughs> at this point, like, because you know my philosophy on Kickstarter. Once I back it, I forget it. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Because it's not my problem anymore. Like, I backed it. I usually only back stuff that's pretty much a sure thing anyway. And so I just, it's like Merry Christmas when I get it. You know what I mean? Yes. And so this one, I was in the group because Peter Vaughn invited me. And so that's the only reason I was aware that anything was going on. Like, I don't even read the updates. Like, it just, right. it's fine. Do your thing. I'm cool. You're not going to have to worry about me leaving nasty comments. And um, so when it showed up today, I was like, this is the coolest thing. I was just so excited. So I can't wait to play it. I was a little disappointed. I wanted to play it with my mom on vacation a couple weeks ago, but whatever. Well, I will say it's a very good game. And 
the thing to remember about the game, it do, it starts off a little bit slow, but when you start opening up other stores, that's when the mm-hmm. game really opens up. Cool. Thank you. That'll help. Yep. 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 It's very good. So, um, but video games I've been playing, I want to talk about one that was actually a huge surprise to me because it came out earlier on this year and I missed it. And 2K Games reached out to me as they normally do towards the end of the year about holiday gift guide stuff. And their emails are awesome because it goes through and gives me like the synopsis and it always includes the ESRB rating. Um, and nice. not a lot of other companies do. And so the ESRB rating helped. And this one, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't rated M? Because I, I completely ignored it when it came out uh, in, I think it was February. And it turns out it's actually rated T. And I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of cool. And it's Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, which is a Borderlands oh, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I never in my wildest dreams, like, this is one of those things, right? Like, I just don't think about it. It's like Borderlands. This is rated M. Like, I just, it's just my brain yeah. just doesn't process yeah, it. So sure, it turns sure. out that it is rated T for teen. Because it turns out if you cut out all the cuss words... <laughs> <laughs> and if you just cut, if you cut out all the awful swearing and make it so that when you shoot bad guys, they don't dissolve into bloody skeletons, you get a T rating. It's like, whoa. Yeah. And so the conceit <laughs> for Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is it is Borderlands. It's a, it's a class-based looter shooter type thing. Uh, so it's like a first-person shooter crossed with like Diablo. So you run in, you do quests, you shoot bad guys, they explode like loot pinatas full of guns and stuff <laughs> and then you go back to town you sell stuff you equip the best guns and you go back out and do it again the difference here is that it's set in a dungeons and dragons game that is actually being run by borderlands characters <laughs> so they're not it, it's not dungeons and dragons this bunkers and bad <laughs> but it's dungeons and dragons and so like literally when you're creating your character you're painting your miniature oh my goodness <laughs> okay and so like it is full of dungeons and dragons jokes like at one point, you start a boss fight, and she yells, roll initiative. There's a lot of really good Dungeons & Dragons jokes in here, and I love it. I think it's great. I think it's it serves two purposes. Number one, it is a T-rated shooter, which is a great alternative to sure. people who have kids that desperately want to play Call of Duty, but you don't want to mm-hmm. play Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, this is a, if you want to say yes to something, I feel like you can suggest this one. I mean, listen, there's some there's some inappropriate jokes, so I'm not saying that this is going to be great for, like, younger kids. Right. I think for younger kids, there's, there's Splatoon 3 is probably a better choice for them. But, like, if you have a young, like, a you know, a teenager, you know, 13, 14, all their friends are playing COD Blops, and you, that's Call of Duty Black Ops, for, the, uh, for those <laughs> who don't speak the lingo, and you just don't want them to be in there with that just yet. Right, you maybe yeah, wait, right. want to yeah. wait a couple of years. I think this is a great Forever. alternative. Whatever, it looks cool. the The gameplay loop is so satisfying. There's just something about you go out, you kill monsters, you get a bunch of loot, you come back, you sort through it real fast. There's cool classes. I'm playing like a, a like a fungo mancer or whatever, so I have like a pet mushroom guy that like <laughs> runs around and like <laughs> starts on bad guys and tanks them, and you know, and then I can shoot him with a sniper rifle. All right, like it's this, it's just really cool, and I really love it when I get surprised. Uh, we'll talk about another big surprise um, when we get to the holiday gift guide later. But cool, cool. So cool. That's been the big one that I've been playing. Other than that, I've been playing Mario Plus Rabbids. Uh, Sparks of Hope. Nice. Which is immaculate. It is. It's on our kids' holiday wish list. Oh, it should be. And I highly encourage you to fulfill that wish Um, because I think you would like it, Andrew. I mean, Uh really. Well, I I played the first one. We played the first one. Yeah. Okay. So this is better than the first one in every conceivable way. 
It looks prettier. It's old. They finally. <laughs> It's it's just if I said it was just more kingdom battle, that's good enough. But they actually really they leaned into the class based system. So like, whereas before they kind of did their thing and they had their roles, now explicitly yeah. Luigi is a sniper and Rabid Mario is a brawler and Peach <laughs> is a tank. And I love that. like, I love yes. that. And at the beginning of every fight, you get to choose who your characters are, right? Mm-hmm. And so th- what's really cool about that is, you know, you can be like, you know what? I need a tankier character for here. Or, you know what? I can go all out on defense. The other thing that I really like about this is you don't – remember in the first game, you had to get like three stars and, and you were collecting mm-hmm. stars to try and move on. Yeah. It's kind of almost like yeah. a little mobile gamey. You're not scored on things anymore, which means if you need to kind of sacrifice fly a care, you know, do the sacrifice fly thing to just finish an objective and win the game, it's okay. You're not penalized for that. And you just get him back at the end of the fight. And I think that, you know, that just makes it makes it so you don't have to repeat a level because you made a dumb mistake. You know what sure. I mean? You don't have to do it perfectly. But other than that, I love it. I mean, Luigi with a sniper rifle. Come on. Well, I mean, he technically uses a longbow, which is like really weird. He's got like one of the he's got like a nerf longbow here. And when yeah, he does like his overwatch move. Like he spins around like a Power Ranger, and he's just got the, the <laughs> death stare. It's so, it's just so dumb, and I love every every little bit of it. All right, that's fantastic. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna butt in, and I'm gonna yes. talk about the video games that I've been playing. Okay, so I can get them out of my system since we're talking about video games. Uh, fair. So Let's with my eight year old, with Elliot, I'm playing Halo Two co op right now. We're going cool, through cool, the Halo cool, cool. games. We played through one. We're about halfway through two right now, so we're having a good time mm. with that. Those games are technically rated M, but they like shouldn't be. Basically, they shouldn't. Uh, they shouldn't. So, it, it, well, yeah. you heard the story. Did, did you hear the story about how that all happened? I don't remember. It was a time when they thought that it would, should be rated M, so they rated it M, and now they feel obligated to rate them M or something. It's actually better than that. I actually talked That's to right. a Halo developer. No, it's better oh, than that. Okay. It's that they figured out they made the game they wanted to make, got an M rating, and then eventually, when they made Halo Four. Or Halo 5. Not Halo Infinite. The one before that. That was 5. They So Halo 5. When they made Halo 5, when they went into the development, they realized after talking to the ESRB that literally all they had to do was make a few minor adjustments that would actually result in slightly less development time. <laughs> so they had to save time on development. And then it would go down to a T rating because it wasn't language. There's no humanoids anymore. You're fighting aliens, so you're not yeah. humans. And so they had to get rid of like a little bit of blood splatter, which is not hard in that game mm-hmm. and because a lot of times you're shooting dudes in like crazy power armor with shields and whatever. And they just had to watch their language a little bit, which frankly, like sometimes the curses were a little out of character and anachronistic anyway, because it just didn't make yeah, sense. Sure. Just replace it with military blah, blah, blahs. And it was just an easy transition. So they made, they were like, listen, so we're just going to make this a T rated game from now on. But still. Yeah. Is Horizon Forbidden West M rated? No. Okay, so it's got cuss words and you're killing people and there's blood. So it's kind of like, you know, you can drop one F-bomb in a PG-13 game, in a PG-13 movie. Like, it's complicated. I feel like if Halo Fresh came out today, it would get a T rating. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. Anyway, anyway, so those are the two games that I've been playing way too much of. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Forbidden West is really good. Oh, so that's the other one is, yeah, is yeah. Horizon Forbidden yeah. West. Yeah, oh my yeah. gosh. I've been playing so much so of that much game. Of that. So good. I really like it. I mean, it is literally like Zero Dawn Chapter 2. I love it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, wh- who doesn't want more of one of the best action RPGs of all time? No. You know what I mean? Like, it's such a cool story. I, I love seeing more of what happened in the world before. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. They're doing a Horizon TV show, and it looks like the Horizon TV show is actually going to be set during the era when all the holograms are from. So it's going to be oh, like wow. not. Oh, that's crazy. So it's going to be like like super prequel. Yeah. So like a mega pre- like without. Yeah. So this is like the fall of society, and I think that's yeah. actually a really cool era because it's this way. There's no chance that they'll risk making it look dumb. Yeah, I mean the because, robot dinosaur thing. I mean, would be you really say there's no chance in live action. There's a much smaller chance. Yeah, I mean. I mean there's always the possibility well, of doing so something. So you got to think about like, so all of the personages of the AIs are going to have to be holographically represented. They're just going to have to be. So like that part uh, could go could yeah. go south. But yeah, maybe. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm super cool. I love the idea of you playing through the Halo games in split screen with you oh, know, your rules. son. It's so I think good. it's such a cool experience. I am all in on that. And frankly, even if it was like a hard M game, I, you know your kid better than me. Like, I'm not here to judge. I think, you, right. you know, like, because the idea is he's playing with dad and that's yeah. a different thing. It's like, you yes. know, plenty of people, you know, all of us grew up knowing kids who watch horror movies with their parents because that was like their thing. Yeah. I mean, you plus know? our kids are going to public school. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, listen, I have two teenagers in high school. Like I have teenagers that are in high school. There is nothing that they have not seen or heard. Right. So I don't really worry about it. I mean, it is what it is. Well, I don't worry about it too much anymore. I mean, admittedly, like my 16 year old, you know, at at some point it's like, you know, what are you, what am I going to do? Stop you from playing Assassin's Creed. I think at this point I've established that he's not going to stab dudes in the neck. (laughs) We figured out the baseline. He's probably good. You've, you've raised a child right. Good job, Mr. Duke. Thank you. I've, I've met the baseline. The baseline, he's not going to do that. And, right. um, and I mean, I've, I, have, I also have been playing a lot of Horizon, and I absolutely love it. I have not finished it yet. It's one of those games that, like, every couple of weeks I'll sit down on a Saturday morning and just absolutely crush it for, like, three hours, and then I'll put it down. And See, and I do that at 9 o'clock at night, and then I'm full of regret at 1 o'clock in the morning. But that's... I, I, I mean, I do that. That's World of Warcraft for me. Because, that, I mean, that's the other game that I've been playing far too much of um, because there's a new expansion coming out November 28th. Well, so now it's my turn. What have you been playing? I am also going to talk about video games. Yeah, let's do it. It's my turn. I have been playing Spider-Man Miles Morales. Finally. Nice. Hey, listen, so, didn't you guys just get a PS5? Yes. Like in the last yeah. couple of months? Yeah, that's yes. why we're playing these things. <laughs> that's why he's Dude. playing Forbidden West and I'm playing Miles Morales. Dude, um, I, I, A plus. But, a plus game choices. I, I think you, I remember Andrew told me this and I was like, oh man, now you get to play some bangers. Yeah. Yes. yeah there's, some, there's some really, really good things. I am really, really enjoying Miles Morales. I don't know if I'm enjoying it more than the PS4 Spider-Man game. Okay. But I'm enjoying it differently. Sure. I don't like the fact that I can't be in the living room when she's playing this game because I, I don't want to know what fault. happens. Not my fault. <laughs> it's short, man. You should just crush it. But I've I've gotten to the point where I'm far enough into the game that I can generally tell what piece of, you know, mission or even side mission is going to take me some time. And thus I should not do if I'm trying to sit down and play for half an hour, you know, mm-hmm. before yep. like... I have to go get a kid from an activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, I'm that's, just going to swing around for a while and like stop some crimes. And That's what I love about Spider-Man. That's one of the things I love about Spider-Man is that you know what stuff is is a commitment. And you know, it's like, no, you know what? I'm going to go look for backpacks for a little bit. Yeah. You know, like I love Spider-Man for that. And I can't. There are, I mean, there are once or twice where I've, I've gotten roped into something where I was like, oh, this is going to take me like 15 minutes and half an hour. And I'm like. 
Never mind. Yeah, I got. I, I will. I again. will come back and try this another time. Hey, well, I mean, that's what the quick resume. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what that you know the gameplay loop for Spider Man and the same thing for the Horizon games is like. I could just go out and just kind of kill a couple of dinosaurs. It's just like fun to fight, and then I'll you <laughs> know grab some loot and then go back and save them. I'm, I'm done for a while. Yeah. I just got it out of my yeah. system, you know. So it's love it. stuff. All right. On the flip side, uh, different in pretty much every way. I have also started playing Return to Monkey Island. I mean, okay. A plus choice. This is important because although I played plenty of text-based and point-and-click adventures as a kid, I never played any of the Monkey Island games. Not one. Monkey Island seems like a Smith household. Like, it's, like, perfect for you guys because, like, Andrew's sense of humor is, like, really dumb and it, like, fits (laughs) real perfectly with that. Well, so for what it's worth, I think that's part of why I didn't play these as a kid or a teenager, because, uh, you know, even then I could kind of tell them like, "Mm, there is more language and stupidness in here than my parents are going to tolerate if they see me playing it. And so even now while I'm playing it, I'm kind of like, all right, this is, yeah, it's kind of dumb. It's not quite my sense of humor, but I am still enjoying it nonetheless. The whole point-and-click adventure type thing. It's been so long since I've played any of those of like, let me try this item on this thing. Let me go talk to this person. What happens if I talk to them a second time or a third time? Do they tell me something different? Mm-hmm. Do they tell me to buzz off and leave them alone? Like, sure. And it's just fun kind of exploring through the story and the puzzles that it presents. So Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's safe to say that between your teenage years and now, you have grown accustomed to dumb jokes. So, like, these games You're welcome. have to You're welcome. a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Um, let's, um, let's do, like, maybe uh, one more game from each of us. There's going to be more games that we've been playing in the show notes, but I do want to move on to make sure we've yeah. got enough time yeah, yeah, yeah. for the second half of the show. So, Stephen, give us one more from you, and then we'll each do one more, and then we'll we'll get into the next thing. Yeah, you know, you know what? Let me do, let me let me break the rules again, and I'll talk about oh. a board game. Oh, oh, that's fine. That's not a rule breaker. You know, how how wild is that? Yo, listen, <laughs> this is gonna sound kind of wild. So we we go to my family has what could only be described as a timeshare by the beach, and we go there in October of every year. And uh, this is when I bust out. I always bring a couple of board games to play with my mom. Sure. And uh, last year I brought Wingspan and Pan Am, you know, so like it was a good year last year. Yes. This year I saw one at Target and I was like, you know what? This is stupid. I'm going to try it. It was for 15 bucks and it was Uno Ultimate, the Marvel one. Okay. okay. You guys know what I'm talking about? I Not specifically, have... but no. that's all right. No, check it out. It's Uno with variable player powers. All right. Listen, it's $15 and it's Marvel themed Uno. Like on its surface, it just plays like Uno. However... <laughs> Every character has like a superpower that you can use every turn. It was better than it had any right to be. Sure. It's like, you know, you're paying eight bucks for a deck of Uno cards anyway. So you may, you know, you pay double the price and you just get superhero themed one. Yeah. I liked it because it was a really great way to engage with my younger nephew who all this stuff is just super arcane, but he loves him some Black Panther. So like, you know, it was great to be able to sit down and just play with him. 
It comes in an unnecessarily large box, and I don't know why, but we're all used to that with board games. Yeah. Uh, oh, we complain games. about that all the time. Yep, yeah. yep. But yep. I, I, the reason I bring it up here is that it's one of those things that I think is people are going to be going to Target, because we all know Target is like a huge board game retailer now, and it's not going to slow down. I think a lot of people would gloss that over, and I think there are people where there would be a niche in their room for their board game collection for that, because I think it's great for playing with non-gamers, playing with Marvel fans, younger kids because it's like a dressed up uno you know i'm not going to be here and be like uno is one of the greatest games ever but like whatever uno's a great game to play when you're just kind of everybody knows how to play yeah exactly exactly and adding in the the player powers and like there's a danger deck that you can mess around (laughs) with that has like villains that show up i mean it's it's stupid but i thought it was a lot of fun we played a whole bunch of games of it because it was super fast and everybody really liked it including the people that are there that don't ever play games you know, my sister never plays games. She hates them. Win. And she played this with me. Normally, she'll play cards or whatever. So playing Uno was pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's a win. You get people playing that don't normally play. That's really all you can ask for. For 15 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue. All right. Cool. Well, why don't I talk about The Great Split? Okay, sure. So this is yeah. one that Andrew picked up at Essen, but should be coming to the U.S. very, very soon. Uh, so The Great Split is... A I Split You Choose game themed around um, like an inheritance or an estate sale or something like that. Uh, So you, every single player gets a hand of cards, arranges it however they want, and then sticks a split card somewhere in the middle. So they've split it into two sections. Then you hand off that entire hand of cards to the player, I think, on your left. And they look at it. And choose which half they want, which piece they want, and give the rest of it back. And the thing is that all of the players are doing this simultaneously. So everybody is splitting a deck, and then everybody is choosing what their neighbor split, and then handing the other piece back. And the rest of it is this, you know, set collection game with all different kinds of valuables and jewels. And it's kind of like resource management, really. It's not really set collection, more more so it's... Yeah, I guess it, it feels a little bit more resource management-y because there are various things you can do to move up on one track that then let you move up on another track of your choice sort of thing. Everything is scored on these tracks. So you're not actually physically collecting like a bunch of jewels you know, or cards or whatever. It's just moving along your own personal track of points and coins and jewels and rare books and antiques and whatever else. So I was actually kind of skeptical because I've never been a huge fan of I Split You Choose games. There are a couple of good ones, but I'm just, it's not a big draw for me. I really, really liked this. We only played it at two players, but even at two players, it was really tight and good. And I'm really looking forward to playing it with more people. I'm actually glad to hear you say that you liked it because I wasn't entirely sure how you felt about this game after we played it. I don't even know if you were entirely sure. No, well, it took me a little while to kind of wrap my head around how all of it worked because... The, I mean, I think you still beat me. I did, but <laughs> but the different pieces of it took me a while to understand how everything fit together. Yeah, but I mean, it's got a great art style. It's got this kind of like old school art deco, very great Gatsby kind of uh, art style to it, which is just yeah. kind of neat. And then this whole premise... I mean, it's really neat, like, when you're playing with a bunch of players, how cards can kind of migrate their way around, because you don't discard the hands that you played with at the end of the turn. You just draw some more cards, and then you split them again. Yeah, that surprised me. Yeah, so that's a pretty neat kind of uh, a mechanic to the game as well, which I really enjoyed. 
Uh, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to mention that we played Letters from Whitechapel, which is a really interesting, like Scotland Yard style, one versus many. Detectives are trying to catch the criminal. Jack the Ripper. Uh, We're trying to is, catch Jack yes, the Ripper. In this game, Jack the Ripper. Uh, that was really fun. We did catch Jack uh, in that game. But the game that I want to talk a little bit more about is a game that we uh, mentioned back when we heard about it. And that is Turtle Splash. Yes, this game is adorable. So Turtle Splash is from Lucky Duck Games. This is absolutely a game that is designed for younger players, but it has some things in it that would allow like older players to play it or to increase the difficulty level a little bit. Yes. So this is a combo dexterity game slash memory game. Yeah, not a combination you see super often. Right. So the premise of this game is incredibly simple. So you just knock this little disc token down a water slide into a pool at the bottom. If it stops on the water slide, you get to flip one token over. If it gets into the pool, you get to flip two tokens over. If you get it into the actual circle in the middle of the pool, you get to flip three tokens over. Uh, there's a like four by four grid of tokens. It's three by four. You have Whatever 12. You have 12 little adorable baby animal friends. And that little snow leopard, the who, cutest ever. Who are all trying to get to the pool party whatever yeah so you, you need to flip these tokens over kind of in order so that you can move your tokens along on your individual player board which is ordered differently than everybody else's For each other player yeah uh and what you need to do is you need to get all three rows of these things yeah. you know to the end and that's the entire game but some of the things that are cool about this so the the water slide has like barriers that it has are, rails. Yeah. Yeah. It's got rails and they're very easy to take off or put back on. So like you could put them on for a kid's turn and then take them off again for an adult's turn. Like it's not like yep. a game where you have to completely reset it up depending on the you know difficulty level. So it's actually a feasible thing to have different difficulty levels during yes. the course of the same game. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and, and even, this is a game where once, you know, a four or five-year-old has played it once, they will understand how to set it up and play it. And back when our kids were younger, this is a game I could see, you know, one of them pulling out and just being like, I'm going to play it by myself. Yep. And it wouldn't matter that they weren't competing against anybody. They would feel like, you know, like they were accomplishing something because it's really easy to set up. And then it's just a memory game. So it's a, oh, I flick it down the thing. I turn over some guys. Hey, I got this guy. And now he gets to go to the pool party. And for a really young kid, that's all the motivation they need, really. Also, I'm going to say that the act of having to switch between your your right and your left brain to execute fine motor skills and then remember something, it was impossible for me to remember where these stupid things were. It surprised me because I just, stink at memory games in general unless i can super focus on them and not do anything else at all which is rare in my <laughs> life as a mother but you're generally pretty good at them and it was uh, just like total meltdown yeah it you was just, so you weird. couldn't handle the the switching back so so like our 11 year old is really good at memory games he's and, gonna destroy everybody at this game oh yeah he will destroy everyone but oh, yeah. i mean that's gonna just kind of make it more fun you know so anyway so that's uh, that's it. That's, Turtle Splash. That's my last yes. one. Turtle Splash. And again, head over to uh, you know your podcast app or whatever and flip in the show notes. You'll see a bunch of other games that we have been playing. Maybe we'll talk about a couple more of them next week. I don't maybe, know. Maybe. We'll I don't see. know. I don't know. But um, you know what we should do at this point is take a quick break. You're going to hear a snap review about another game that we've been playing a ton of. Yes. In Green Team Wins. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the video game Holiday Gift Guide with Stephen Goodsman. We'll be right back. 
Anitra. Yeah? I don't get why the green team always wins. What's, what's up with that? Oh, well, it's simple. It says so in the rules. Green team wins. <laughs> this is a snap review for green team wins. Green team wins is a party game for really as many people as you want, but there's pieces in the box for up to 12 players. It was designed by Nathan Thornton and published by 25th Century Games. All right, Andrew, let's talk about the art in this game. I mean, who doesn't love the kind of 80s and 90s inspired art? But really, there's not a lot in this game. There are purple cards. This or that. Blue cards. Best of three. And yellow cards. Fill in the blank. Okay. You've also got these two-sided cardboard tokens showing what team you're on. Green or orange. Best if you're always on the green team. Your little whiteboard includes a score tracker, and that's about it. Of course, you can always make your own art if people are slow to pick an answer. So let's talk about how to play this game. To start, shuffle together five of each different color card and put the deck face down in the middle of the table. This will give you 15 questions that the whole group will answer. Everyone starts, by the way, on the orange team. One person flips over the first card and reads it out loud. I like to read them with dramatic effect, and it's really great when the immediate response from everyone is oh, like, Oh, man. It's just, just more fun. It's that a way. hard question. Everyone secretly answers the prompt on their score whiteboard, and when everyone's ready, reveal your answers. Then you compare the answers. Whatever answer is the most common in the group wins. Any orange player with that answer flips to the green team and gets a point. Any green teamer who answered correctly gets two points and stays on the green team. But if you're a green teamer who does not answer the most popular answer, you flip to the orange team. Now you're on the orange team. And get no points. If there's a tie for the most popular answer, people on the orange team with one of those answers get nothing. But like it says, green team wins. So people on the green team with one of those tied answers get two points. That doesn't seem fair. Hey, green team wins. If everyone has a different answer, everyone flips to, or stays on, the orange team. After you play through 15 cards, whoever has the most points wins. Probably because they're on the green team. So, Andrew, let's talk about what we expected from this game. Well, this is a game that we heard a fair amount of buzz about online, so we expected it to be a really fun party game. And, since we've played a bunch of party games, we expected it to be easy to drop in, drop out, and for it to be quick to play without having to learn a lot of rules. Because it's a party game, we also figured it'd be more fun with more players. The name really intrigued me, though. How could you have a team-based game and already know which team will win? All right, Anitra, we talked about what we expected. What surprised us about Green Team Wins? Well, even though we figured this would be a fun party game, I was surprised at just how fun this one was to play with our family. Sometimes we'll play a party game and we can tell that it'll be great with all adults or it'll be great with all kids, but Green Team Wins is a fantastic multi-generational game and it really exceeded our expectations in that way. As long as your child can convey the idea of their answer, even if it's through a drawing, they can play the game. With some patience and allowing a younger child to explain what they drew or what they wrote, <laughs> you can make it work. Our kids loved Green Team Wins. We were laughing around the table the whole time we played. And hey, you'll learn about your kids, too. Green Team Wins can be played with three or four people, but it is definitely better with more. They do need to be committed for staying for the whole length of the game, however. 
This fairly small box supports up to 12 players, but really more. It's an absolute steal of $25. Absolutely. I cannot wait to play this game after Thanksgiving dinner with the whole extended family at the house. It's going to be great. <laughs> so, Anitra, what are we going to rate Green Team Wins from 25th Century Games? Well, this is a party game. If you like party games, you will love this one. We honestly can't think of anything we do any differently to make this game better. So when this card comes up, we're going to fill in the blank with five stars out of five. Green Team Wins! And that's Green Team Wins in a snap. And we're back. So we are here with Steven Dutzman. And Yo, what's up? As we do every year, we're going to talk about video games for the holidays. Yeah. So, and, well, mostly Steven is because I got nothing. Well, so Steven, of course, is the executive editor, editor-in-chief, whatever he, title he wants, <laughs> of Engage Family Gaming, which is not officially a sister site of the Family Gamers, but I feel like we do enough work We're together. BFFs. We, we're, we are BFFs. We're BFFs. Right. BFFs forever. Um, <laughs> but it, so, yeah, listen, you know, ever since we were kids, right, like video games are like one of those things that even folks that didn't get a lot of games, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but like Christmas was when we – had to real my brother and I had to really think about games, right? And um and my parents had to do the same thing. My mom bought the gift. She had to really grill us um <laughs> about like what we wanted and wanted to make sure you know she if we were only going to get one, she wanted to make sure it was a banger. And as soon as I started EFG ten years ago, by the way, almost ten years. Next June it'll be ten. Like that was one of my priorities. I wanted to try and help fill that gap and help parents, especially if they have kids that aren't particularly good at saying what they want, which does happen, right? Hence our video game gift guide was born. What we, the way we divided it is we did it by console. So I figure I'll just rock them, you know, in alphabetical order, Nintendo, Sony, Xbox. Do it. Um, we'll, we'll start with Nintendo because it's the easiest, I think, um, because Nintendo had a great year in 2022. Um, it started with Pokemon Legends Arceus, which, let's be honest, that game came out this it year. It feels like that game came out five years ago. Correct. Fun fact about the year 2022, it was both five minutes long and 500 years long at the exact same time. <laughs> yep. A little yep. bit, yeah. But the first game on our list is Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which I think is unique in that it is the first 3D Kirby game. And when they told us this game was coming, first off, my middle son, who is a huge Kirby fan, lost his freaking mind over this. <laughs> and I was like, whatever, man, it's just Kirby. You know, Kirby's cool. Like, I mean, I love Kirby, you know, but this actually is a really freaking good video game. The 3D exploration is fun. Kirby's powers are neat. The way they express them through the world and how you use them to both traverse and fight enemies is cool. It's beautiful, right? Which, I mean, Nintendo games by in general are beautiful, but this game is yeah. so cool. And so what I really like about it is that it's very accessible for younger players. Kirby has always been like, you know, like if, if there needs to be like baby's first video game, like Kirby can be that guy. There's not a lot of fail states. It's, you know, it's challenging to do everything, but it's not hard to progress. So Kirby of the Forgotten Land is definitely one to keep in mind. And if you have a Kirby fan in the house this and you don't know it already, it's kind of required reading. All right. This is the evolution of the franchise. We do have uh, next year a remake of a Wii game, but like this is like the peak of Kirby right now. The next one, and I'm not going to lie, this is really in contention for our game of the year, um, is Splatoon 3. Uh, Splatoon 
I've told the story a whole bunch, right? Splatoon, I, I was not down with it when it was on the Wii U. I thought it was going to be like kind of meh. I wasn't sold. And then I did a test fire because um, they did the cool demo. And then I was sold. And we probably put like, th- you know, 150 hours into it that summer with my whole family just passing the controller. And then we did the same thing with Splatoon 2, minus the doubting it in the beginning part. We were all in. And Splatoon 3, listen, it's great. We've, you know, we've all taken some turns at the sticks. This is clearly my middle son's game. Uh, he has declared that he wants to be a Splatoon 3 uh, esports professional. <laughs> he practices. He knows the, you know, he knows so much about like all the cool strats and, you know, a lot about like the minutia of each gun and each weapon. Really cool stuff. The thing I really like about Splatoon is that it is a shooter that is not a shooter because you're, uses squirt guns with paint. And so it really does kind of fulfill that shooter niche without using actual guns, which I know is really important to a lot of people out there. And it grows more important seemingly with every news story every other week, right? Yep. Lots of people are trying to you know get away from guns and I support that entirely. Splatoon 3 is a great way to be like, you know what? Fine. You want a multiplayer shooter? That's a, It's hard to avoid wanting to play that. You can play Splatoon 3. The biggest change with Splatoon 3 that helps support that is that you can queue and it's kind of like Fortnite in that there's a queue system. So you can just queue up and it'll fill your team and you can play. Whereas before you didn't really have an option to do that. So like you can queue up as friends and it'll fill you up. So like my oldest and my middle son, they both play, they both bought copies and they play together and they'll play. It'll fill the other two with randos and they can actually play. Whereas before, if you wanted to play with a friend, you needed a full team. And even then, you couldn't queue as a group. It was a whole thing. So I think that's awesome. So Splatoon yeah. 3, and it, I mean, the bow and arrow thing and the Splatanas, the sword things. I mean, it's just so cool. Splatana. So cool. Love it. <laughs> I, will tell you that, I will tell you that the soundtrack gets a little old after a while. That is my one critique of this game. Everything about it, though, um, you know, it looks great. I love the attitude and the style with the different characters. The three-team Splatfests is such a cool change. So I'm a big fan. That's Splatoon 3. Next one, I mean, look, there's a new Pokemon generation coming out this year. So I haven't played it yet, but I put it on the gift guide because, I mean, if you've got a Pokemon fan in your house. I mean, if you know they like Pokemon, this should be a home run, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the good news for me is the preview embargo lifted this week and everybody said that it's good. So I will admit <laughs> that I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous because we don't get preview code from Pokemon. You know, they, they do big preview events. My Nintendo rep still calls me Stephanie. Um, so like, cause we're, t- we're too small, right? Like I'm just in yeah. a database. Yep. So like, oh, yeah. you know, we depend on patterns and it's a big one is that Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, you know, we knew a new Pokemon generation, even a bad Pokemon game is still better than just about everything else that comes out. So the good news is preview embargo is lifted and it's an open world Pokemon game and it's pretty good. And um, I can't wait to play with Quaxley, my son. Um, he's the little water type with the, the bouffant right here. Oh, uh, yeah. I love that guy. As opposed to the weed cat. <laughs> Can I say? <laughs> I, I mean, it looks like a weed cat, guys. I'm right to say it's it. Fine. but it's fine. Or the weird apple dragon. You know, it looks great. I mean, and so we can't wait. It's coming out in a couple of weeks, actually. So my kids are super stoked. I think this is one of those, like, we put it on the list, but, like, we know that, like, if you have a Pokemon fan in the house, you've known about this game. Yeah, for, like, sure. four months. Sure. Yeah. Pokemon does not sneak up on anybody. Right. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not if it ever years. did, it wasn't recently. Just to keep kind of cruising along, 
Nintendo Switch Sports came out this year, which is um, something that did not get a lot of fanfare. And what I really like about it, it's a budget title, and it is Wii Sports, is but it's on the Switch. Forty bucks. Uh, yeah. Let me check. Let me check. I got the links. Uh, okay, so it's forty-five right now. So it was originally fifty. So it's forty-five. So that game will be thirty-five on Black Friday, probably. 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 Yeah. That's a buy price for me on that game. I think. Okay. Yeah, I think, and th- what what I really dig about it is out of the box features soccer, volleyball, bowling, tennis, badminton, and chambara, which is basically sword fighting. And they're adding golf later this year. So I think by Christmas, golf will be in it. I don't think it's out yet. I think it was sometime in November they were adding golf. And it's all the stuff from uh, the Wii, but it's better because the uh, controls on the Joy-Cons are better than the Wiimotes. And I think another piece is, you know, they have like a bowling battle royale game and like, you know, like they just added a little bit, you know. Well, I know what our family is going to be playing. <laughs> yeah, man, listen, <laughs> I forgot about the bowling, the, the bowling stuff in your house. Yeah, there's a bowling yeah. battle royale. So yeah. uh, Andrew is now officially gone. He's like, wait, let me <laughs> we, go buy I this actually, right now. I actually no, probably, did buy a. Probably our eight year old because he plays a bowling simulator on um, the Quest. That's what I was going to say. I yeah. actually bought a bowling game on uh, the Quest. Is it good? Quest. It's surprisingly decent. Like, I was really surprised. Surprisingly decent is high praise for, for a MetaQuest game. The reality yeah. is the majority of it is shovelware. It's like the Wii. Yeah, but, like, I, sometimes I, they rise above. I'm, surprisingly decent is high praise. I'm not going to say it blew my mind, but I will say that, like, the motion of the wrist release to put hook on the ball is the correct motion. Like that, I mean, I mean, you can't, this is bad television because I'm, you know, bad radio because I'm shrugging, but like, that's high praise. I mean, the reality is it is what it is, right? Some games are just not going to be tens, but getting it right is the hardest part in a video game. And they did it. So A plus, A plus. So just the last couple of Nintendo games, um, and we've actually, you know, one of them we already talked about, Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope, uh, Immaculate. Immaculate, gonna be in contention for one of our games of the year, especially at a TSRB rating. This is so good, so accessible, absolutely love it. Who doesn't want Mario dual wielding weird pistols? I don't know. I, I kind of really want like, him to have a splat katana now. Or I really like Rabbit grow. Mario and Rabbit Peach. Yo, Rabbit, uh, Rabbit Peach with her attitude she of just always cool. being on the phone. Yeah. Oh, and she's a healer, by the way. Um, <laughs> and she has her own Instagram account. Of course she does. If you're really curious. Of course I'm going to have to go find that now. That's so good. Listen, Rabbit, you know what? Rabbit Mario is a beast because he's a brawler. But what I really love about him is all of his attacks are like at this cone. And if you line him up right, the thing is he never he can't get behind cover, right? So you ignore the cover system with him. So he's definitely always getting punched in the face because he can't hide. But if you line him upright, he'll hit like 15 dudes. And so it, it's this interesting game of cat and mouse where it's like, you know what? If I, I'm going to expose myself because I'm, I can't hide behind cover, but like I'm going to get out there. And if I can wreck all you guys, like there are times where he'll just, you, you can play chess a little bit and he can get it and he'll just finish a whole fight all by himself. It's so crazy and so right. satisfying. If you see like a lot of little enemies and there's like fights where there's just a whole bunch of Goombas or whatever, you bring in Brawler Mario or a Rabbit Mario and he's just a beast on the field. There's some fights, obviously, he's not a great great for, but man, I love it. So that's Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope. Some people hate, hate the Rabbits. It's okay. The Rabbits are not as obnoxious as they are in other games in this. It's fine. 
Last Nintendo game is Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is kind of cheating putting two Pokemon games on here. But here's the thing. Pokemon Legends Arceus is so different from the other Pokemon titles that I feel super comfortable putting it on, putting on here. The gameplay loop for this, and we've talked about the gameplay loop a whole bunch of times here. And if you don't know what a gameplay loop is, it's basically like the core activity in a game, right? Like the, the core activity of a game of Pac-Man is starting a level, going through state the maze, eating the things, beating the maze or dying and then just kind of starting over the core gameplay loop of gameplay game of madden is playing through madden the core gameplay loop of pokemon legends arceus is you go to an area where you know there are going to be a lot of pokemon you sprint through the area on your mount or otherwise throwing pokeballs left and right catching dudes filling up your whole bag completing some objectives getting materials and then you go back to town and you release all the pokemon into like this pokemon ranch and you build, you know, you save the, the good ones for your team, you trade the resources to craft new stuff, and then you go back out and do it again. And the idea is you're trying to fill out a specific Pokedex for each zone, and you earn points for completing different challenges and to help you move on. It is so cool, and it is just so fast. And the act of just throwing Pokeballs while you're speeding through these levels. I know they described it as a stealth game, but to me, it really is like the speed challenge. It's just running through on your mount. You get a mount pretty early on. Speeding through this, throwing Pokeballs. It's just so cool. It's just so cool. So if you have kids that like Pokemon, but maybe you're kind of like burnt out on Pokemon games, maybe they're not interested in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet because they kind of don't want to deal with just the, the, the regular formula. This is a a really big change, and it's very cool. So what I'm hearing you say is this is a Pokemon game that's really mostly about the collecting of the Pokemon and creating and stuff, and not really about the, let me go fight this battle and grind it again and grind it again. Um, Most of your XP you get by capturing Pokemon. All right. What I heard was this game is really cool. It's really cool. I mean, yes, but I'm I'm trying to make sure that I get it because honestly... I appreciate Pokemon games, but the constant needing to go and battle again gets really old. You don't like JRPGs. Yeah. 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 There's really no grinding here. I mean, you do need to go into the same areas and like catch more stuff. But the reality is it's a little bit different because it's so action oriented. You're not like stopping and fighting trainers and doing all this stuff. You're really just running through. It takes a little bit of time to get get it going. But once you get it going, this game is crazy. The different regions that you go into, the different biomes are super awesome. The Pokemon, it's interesting seeing them in their own habitat, like doing stuff. Because they're just yeah. like out in the world doing stuff. Um, so it is very cool. I would encourage anyone who's curious to watch a YouTube video. You will find out in five minutes if this game is for you. It is unapologetically itself. It does not hide anything. Right, so if what I said sounds interesting, you watch a five minute YouTube video, you'll be like, yes or no. So that's Pokemon Legends Arceus. You know, it's a little interesting story. You know, some philosophy there. Let's talk about PlayStation games, though, because you guys have some opinions on this. Because <laughs> you're brand new PlayStation 5 owners. Congrats, by the Thank way. You. Thank you. I will say to start with, uh, the PlayStation 5 is going to be hard to find this year. So if you don't have one, it's going to be tough. I would say that most of the people that I have, and I don't know how you guys got yours, but a lot of the people in Connecticut, uh, which is where I am, that have gotten them have actually registered with retailers. So they actually, the, Linda's husband, Linda, my co-host, her husband actually registered directly with Sony. He got an email saying that if you log in at this time, you can wait in line to order one online. And he did it. He got the email and he did it. You know, I would do that. Sony is certainly legit. 
rather than play scalpers. I mean, the reality is scalpers are going to charge you double this year. What I found, here's what I found. So yeah. as opposed to paying a scalper, I have found that if you are willing to get a bundle, oh, you can absolutely usually get them. The hardest thing to find is the naked console. Yep. So I went onto the Sony website on my own free time and I just bought the bundle. With Horizon Forbidden West. With Horizon Forbidden he, West, which is a game I was going to play anyway. wanted it, yeah. Yep. So maybe you end up paying an extra, you know, 30, 40 bucks for some chargers or, you know, an no, extra controller. No, no, no. Or, no, no, no. All it had in it was a was just code for Green West, and that's it. Oh, great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's direct from Sony. You know so. what? 100%. What I would not do is call retailers and see if they're holding them or things like that. They're not. They're not doing it. They're not doing it. You're going to want to go. And Sony, they know that this is a problem, and they are trying to rectify it as best they can internally. So that's my first piece. I think checking their them, they are legit. You know, and I know a bunch of folks that have had some good luck with that. And then, yeah, and like I said, I would go to the bundle before I would go to a scalper. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to get more for the same price. Correct. Correct. I, I try to avoid scalpers entirely, course, but you know what, absolutely. if there's some guy, I mean, if it's somebody, you know, you know, if there's somebody from work that got an extra one, they're willing to kick it to you for a $20 finder's fee or something crazy. You won the lotto, do it. But if it's some moron on a Facebook group or whatever, don't, there's too much risk and yep. I can't encourage that. We, we cannot advocate for that solution. I can't, it's not a great idea. Um, and there's too much risk, but Let's talk about some video games. We've talked about Horizon Forbidden West, man. I mean, that's got to be the number one for, for us from a like a family gaming perspective. Um, Horizon Forbidden West is a T-rated action role-playing game. The story is captivating, and you are a really awesome, strong female character beating up robot dinosaurs with a bow and arrow. Like, what else do you need? It's pretty fun. It's pretty great. It's pretty fun. I don't play it, but I've watched it. I enjoy watching it. Well, it's I so mean, I mentioned this before. It's the direct sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn. So you start the game and your subtitle like name, your your name is Aloy, but you are the savior of Meridian. So yeah. as you go through the game, everyone's like, oh, man, you're that girl. You're that yep. you're the savior, oh, yeah. you know, so you're always being like praised other than the people who want to kill. you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, and I think that's awesome. I think yes. this is this is a continuation of that story. If you haven't played the first one, I think everybody should. But if you want to just kind of skip it, you definitely need to read a Wikipedia walkthrough. I'm sure somebody I bet you IGN did of the story in 10 minutes video. Right. Just find one of those really interesting post-apocalyptic story. What I really like about it is we're so far past the fall of humanity that it's not quite depressing that it's an apocalypse. It's more interesting that it's an apocalypse. Yes. Right. Yeah, which, this is not fallout. This is after things have started to grow back. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. And so I think that makes it kind of hopeful in some cases, which is a little weird. And who doesn't love giant robot dinosaurs? But this time there's all they're not all dinosaurs. There's there's all sorts of extra stuff, which I absolutely love. And you're going to San Francisco-ish. There's lots of stuff going on. I'm in Vegas right now, so. Me too. But I mean, <laughs> San Francisco was in the trailers and the demos right. and stuff. So I actually have not gotten there myself. But like, yeah, but you go to Vegas. I mean, it's all stuff in the West. So it's very cool. This is absolutely one of the coolest games of the year. Next one is uh, Gran Turismo 7. And you know what? I love me a good racing game. Gran Turismo 7 <laughs> is all about itself. You know what I mean? Like, it is unapologetically a game for people who love them some cars. So if you don't really like cars, then this is not the game for you unless you are really crazy into the visuals. Because if you have a really nice TV and a PlayStation 5, this game is the prettiest looking thing you will put in that thing. And it is insane. 
the ray tracing, if you want to know what ray tracing does, you play Gran Turismo 7 and watch the dynamic rendering of the reflection of a car passing you as it passes you on the left. And you see that car in all its detail reflecting off the glossy paint on the side of your car while you're going through a tunnel and you're seeing the light reflecting dynamically off the top of your car. It is absolutely insane. If you don't particularly like cars, this is just a tech demo for you. And, you know, that's that. If you do like cars, what's really cool about it is you go through like a series of, they call them menus. Like you go to a cafe and you get like menus where you have to go through races with specific kinds of cars. And then your reward when you complete it is you get like a really cool in-engine view of cars in that class. So they do a whole thing about the Mustang. So you race a Mustang and you get to the end and it gives you a cool history lesson about the Mustang along with some cool historical footage, but also like a really beautiful in-game model of a Mustang that you then also win and can race in further races. Mm. You got to really love you some cars though. So like this is one of those ones I put it on there because it's absolutely gorgeous. And my sister's fiance is like the biggest car guy on earth. And so Mm. like this is his jam. He loves the very idea of this. He will buy a PlayStation 5 just for this game. Some people might not, but listen to something, you know, this, this is what the world, this is what the, the world turns. I actually bought this, I played it, and I still turn it on every once in a while. It is the prettiest thing I've ever seen on a PlayStation, bar none. And that's including Horizon, which is also beautiful. Mm. There's just nothing quite like it. Not quite as beautiful, but pretty fun is Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, which came out this year. All right, all right. Lego games, I actually, I've been doing a series on the TikToks where I talk about today in video game history. And just a couple days ago, I did a video about Lego Star Wars, the very first one. Yeah. It came out in 2005. Wow. Yeah. And it was the very first Lego game that was like a Lego branded, you know, thing with Traveler's Tales. It's interesting that it bookends with that starting it all. And now this, which is this sprawling action game that covers the entire Skywalker saga for good or for ill. You can start with any of the three opening movies from the trilogies and you go through and it has Lego games historically have been really samey. This one fixes all of that by giving you cover based shooting mechanics and some and combo combat it's like devil may cry but with legos it's a little simpler but you know whatever and also like spaceship combat which is i mean we're not talking elite dangerous but like you know handles itself and it's all in the same game it is cool you can turn on mumble mode so it's like (laughs) the old lego games where they're instead of using lines from the voice actors it's just Yep, yep. Which yep. actually really makes some of the scenes in The Phantom Menace really funny. Yes. <laughs> Especially if you are annoyed by the Gungans' voices, having them mumble through all their lines makes it a little bit better. Sure. <laughs> so that is uh, Lego Star Wars, a Skywalker saga. I believe this one, this one's going to be heavily on sale because it came out like in April, I think, maybe May. And so I would expect this to be one of those games that's going to be at a pretty deep discount by the time we get to the holidays. This will be a big one on Black Friday that you should be able to get pretty inexpensively. And, you know, Lego games, perfect for kids. Multiplayer is in there. I I absolutely love it. Next one on PlayStation is WWE 2K22. And the reason I'm putting this on you, so WWE 2K20 was an unmitigated disaster. (laughs) It came out, it was buggy. We come to expect bugs on launch of AAA video games now. It's just unfortunately part of the deal. This was beyond the pale. Like we're talking people falling through the ring. 
the entire ring like completely destabilizing and just like freaking out in certain situations. It was just unplayably bad. And so that it was so bad, in fact, that they took a year off and rebuilt the entire engine from scratch. Mm. And guess what? It worked because 2022 <laughs> is really freaking good. Like if you like wrestling, I mean, and again, wrestling is kind of like cars. Like you either really love you some wrestling or you are just, it's nothing. And this is one of those games that if you really love you some wrestling, you absolutely need to play this. The character creation options are awesome. Um, and you can download other people's creations. It's so neat. And there's more than a few YouTubers that actually have created like whole like fictional wrestling federations and they do their own commentary over AI fights with these kids. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, so WWE 2K22, I absolutely love it. They sent me, a, you know, I mean, they sent me a copy of it when it came out. 2K loves us. I'm not gonna lie. I absolutely had a blast playing through this game. Um, the story mode is so dumb. But it's professional wrestling. It's supposed to be dumb. Well, what happens is you keep daydreaming. And when you daydream, you fight legends. So, oh, like, I had a... Oh, you mean so you're, not, I had wait, a you're, day, you're not concussed, you're daydreaming? I mean, maybe it's both. <laughs> but I, I had a daydream and I had, I had a... Mac, like, I was kind of like... You know, I don't really pay attention to the dialogue in these things, right? Like, I wasn't sure. expecting Shakespeare. So, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, why am I fighting Macho Man? <laughs> and I will say, it's hard. So I recommend if if you just want to kind of fart around with it, which is so totally fine, throw the difficulty on low. Unless you like really want to play the simulator version of it, because Macho Man beat the crap out of me. <laughs> it was rough. This is also worth playing if you like Rey Mysterio. If you don't know who that is, don't yeah. worry about it. If you like Rey Mysterio, this is kind of cool. The only downside is all of his best matches are against people who aren't in the game because they uh, don't like the WWE anymore. Or because they are uh, unfortunately dead and their estate will not let them be in it. Because uh, his biggest matches were against like Eddie Guerrero, who unfortunately mm. he has passed. But like Kurt Angle is not in the game. And so you that, know, they that's, can't, you know, all that's that a disappointing one. But, it is. But what are you going to do? I don't know. There's, le- le- I would imagine that the legal department on that game is like as big as the development team. <laughs> to, to, develop, to manage all that stuff. I mean, I feel like WWE probably just takes care of that for them. Probably, but you know what? I I don't know, man, because there's so much, especially with older wrestlers. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, there's so much wrangling back and forth. I get so nervous about licensing now that I, I did freelance work for a company that made air fresheners, and they did Sonic the Hedgehog-themed air fresheners. This was like 15 years ago. <laughs> and dealing with... Just one company about one character, like the licensing stuff back and forth. Like it made Wreck It Ralph really complicated for me to watch because I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, how did they do, do right. this? Well, I, and, well, I I was never in that kind of thing, but I had the same kind of a thought. However, I have to ask this question: Did what? they make it smell like fast? Because I feel like making it smell like Hedgehog was probably a bad idea. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't have a sense of smell. I was born without one. So I honestly have no idea. This was this was a relationship that didn't work all, the, all that great. But <laughs> right. I think it was supposed to smell like fresh is what oh. they said that they were trying to go for. And they um, had to get a which, license because that's for a, Sonic? Well, yeah, because they had Sonic printed on it. Okay. It was like a – it was an air freshener. The, you know, the ones – The ones, yeah. Oh, the tree hanging ones. Yeah, yeah the I one that – I get it. And yeah. they had Sonic printed on it. And I don't know why they show Sonic, whatever. But anyway, last PlayStation game, and this is one that's going to be a repeat. The Xbox One, some of those will repeat. And I want to talk about Marvel Midnight Suns, yo. Marvel Midnight Suns is from Firaxis Games. and the people that make XCOM. And I could have sworn when they told us this game was coming, I was like, Firaxis and XCOM, those are M-rated strategy games. And that's got Blade in it. (laughs) 
And I was like, this is just going to be if I, it's cool to Blade and Wolverine fighting demons. I was like, this is going to be an M-rated game. I mean, I'm still going to play it because right. sure, sure. it's a strategy game with Wolverine and Blade. But then the ESRB rating came out and it came out and it turns out that it's rated T for T. I was stunned. Stunned. I made a TikTok within five minutes about how stunned I was at the ESRB rating. So this is a story-based strategy game based on the loosely on the Marvel Midnight Suns comic that was around in the late 90s. And you play a team of superheroes that all come together to go fight demons. So it's been, right. you know, it looks pretty cool. And I recommended this one because it was one of the only Marvel games that came out this year. Um, there really weren't a lot. So I, won't, I, I try to include games in our gift guide that are like, if you like Marvel, then this. If you like wrestling, then this. That kind of thing. Yeah. And this is w- one of the few Marvel games that came in. I think maybe if there was a Spider-Man this year, maybe the, maybe this might have gotten bumped. But I just think this looks cool. If you don't, I mean, just go look at the opening trailer that's set to freaking enter Sandman um, <laughs> with just like all these superheroes just rolling around, just wrecking face with, oh man. Oh, just get, it just made me like, want to like break stuff you know <laughs> i get it i get it it's like when you walk so, out of a movie theater after you just watch some action movie and you're just like oh i'm gonna front flip my way down the a hallway thousand percent it's like you just want to run it's like they got the cardboard stand-ups you just want to run through one it was like <laughs> that's what it felt like and this is one of those it's a it's a cool strategy game which i love strategy games and you know there's certainly an audience for that but what i really like is that you kind of create your own marvel character because the main character is you and you create the Huntress and you get to decide your superpowers. And that's really awesome because this is a canonical Marvel character and you get to kind of create your own version of them. So I think that's awesome. I think that's really neat. And you get to make, have relationships, not those kind of relationships, people, uh, but you make friends with all the Marvel heroes and you get to, do you want to be friends with Dr. Strange? Do you want to be homies with Wolverine? You know, that kind of thing. So I think it, I'm, I'm super cool with it. Sure. Xbox is really tough because my answer to everyone who has Xbox, it, who is buying Game gifts pass. for someone Game who pass. has Xbox, is to just buy them another year of Game Pass or whatever, or a couple of months, because it's a practical gift, but it's like, you know, it's not the same as buying them a new pack of underwear. You know what I mean? Because it's like really cool. And right. I think that there is room to be that cool uncle that just hooks the kids up with uh, with Game Pass for a year every Christmas or something. Yes. Because Game Pass is such a great value. And for me, it has replaced going to Blockbuster on Friday afternoon. Yep. You know absolutely. what I mean? Yep. Um, so I absolutely love it. And I struggled with that. And the general, my wife, was like, but you still got to put something down, dude. You can't just cop out. And so I didn't. Some of these are repeats. We got the Lego Star Wars. That was on everything. We've got Marvel Midnight Suns also on everything. But we got a couple that are also on everything. But I, I wanted to include them here. One of them and this is big for people our generation, Andrew, and that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Cowabunga Collection. Are you okay. a Turtles guy, Andrew? So we have the uh, the one that was on Game Pass, Shredder something <laughs> or other. I heard about the Cowabunga yep, Shredder Collection. Revenge. I have not picked it up or anything like that. I am familiar with this game, but talk Okay. So here's the deal. Shredder's Revenge is cool. It's on Game Pass. It's a brand new game, you know, with cool pixel art, modern game design, etc. So it's fun. 
it's cool. I'm, I mean, I played it. We we crushed it in you know in a little bit of time. The thing about the Cowabunga collection, it is eleven older Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games, including the original super hard oh NES game. Oh my gosh, that freaking game! I was about to ask you about. The, oh, I have like that none of us from playing that. that game. None of us ever got through the water game, oh. not the water level, because we couldn't get oh. through the stupid plants. But guess what? It has save states now and a rewind feature, so now you can get through it. So it's got that. It's got all the Game Boy games, which is interesting just for history. I mean, sure. you know, whatever. But, and this is where it really gets gets interesting. It has the arcade version of TMNT4 Turtles in Time. Oh, nice. Which, they did do a TMNT4 Turtles in Time remaster, but that was of the SNES version, which is a subtle difference, but the arcade version is the definitive edition of that game. Mm-hmm. And so yep. getting that version on here, it's almost like the Cowabunga Collection is that with all this extra bonus content. Right. Sure, because sure. this is a $40 title that has a bunch of content in it. A lot of these games are famously multiplayer. So this is a great party experience. This is a great, you know, you have cousins coming over after Christmas. You want to get them down for whatever, right? Or if your kids like the new Ninja Turtles cartoons, you want to show them what, the, what it was like when we were kids, that kind of thing. It's relatively inexpensive. And my God, that TMNT4 Arcade Edition, like... The world changed for me the first time I saw that arcade game. <laughs> and I know you guys know me. I love to hyper, you know, I love hyperbole and I'm an unmitigated hype monster. I, this is not joking. Like there's a few arcade games that I like walked in and I saw it and it changed me. And there's two of them, literally two. One was Street Fighter 2. First time I saw Street Fighter 2, that changed things for me. And then it was TMNT4. I was at... I, I can't even remember what it was, but I, I remember coming around a corner and seeing all these people playing it. I had already played some multiplayer stuff because like the X-Men and stuff like that. But seeing this with the smooth animation, it looked like a cartoon. It, the world was different for me after this game, after I played it. And so having this opportunity, it's cool. Just thinking back to that and, and what arcade game it was that kind of turned my world upside down. For me, I can literally remember exactly the layout of the bowling alley. I know that's not a surprise. Ah. And where the front desk was and where the arcade was. And I remember the cigarette machine and I remember the smell when I turned the corner and saw the Simpsons game. The multiplayer Yo, all right, Simpsons, Simpsons game. The Simpsons game is a similar. You know what? I am famously on the record as saying that I dislike The Simpsons. So The Simpsons game doesn't hit me the same as other people, but I absolutely see it. Because that game also it's, very, it's very that cool. Multiplayer. Yeah, it, and, multiplayer. And, it, yeah. and it looked like looked a cartoon. Like the cartoon. That was it. That it looked like the show. Yeah, like I'm 100%. not a Mega Simpsons. Like I'll watch it if it's on, but I'm not a Mega Simpsons guy either. I'm not really a Matt Grenick fan at all. But that, but that is so. About that game, it was the same way. Yeah. So. I will admit that I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen a Simpson, like an HD remaster of that Simpsons arcade game because the license is still out there and Disney owns it now. Yeah. So really. Yeah, but they just got it. I mean, Disney is like ramping up their video game production. Oh, I mean, it's true, but like all they would need to do is just like re-release it. Like it's out there. They have it. So I mean, they uh, should just make new Simpsons games. I mean, they'll make new shows. Yes. I, I agree, but I think in that case, the, the, you start with sure, we're sure, going to sure, jiggle sure. the handle and just make this one happen. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the next one, and this is honestly, listen, it's hard to do a video game gift guide in 2022 and not talk about Sonic Frontiers. Like, I am not the biggest Sonic guy in the universe. I'm not. I, I famously dislike the Sega Genesis Sonic games. However, I know my place in this world. I'm a family gaming content creator. Sonic the Hedgehog is one of the biggest dudes in yes. my in my space. So he is quietly my friend, <clears throat> even though I don't 
preach the gospel of, of Sonic. But Sonic Frontiers, man, looks freaking amazing. The preview embargo for this lifted a few weeks ago. And uh, one of the guys that I listened to actually described it as like a Tony Hawk game in that you're just sprinting and hitting combos and bouncing off of stuff. And that actually sounds way more interesting to me than just an open world Sonic game. And so it looks beautiful. The music sounds amazing in every trailer that I've seen of it. And so this is one of those, if you love you some Sonic, I think this is going to be worth a shot. And so, I mean, I'm going to play it. And and that's the fact that I am going to play it is <laughs> saying something, yeah. right? Like, yeah. because I just have never, like, they've put out collections and, like, I bought Sonic Mania when it was, like, $6 on sale, right? Like, right. it was fine. I mean, I get it. Sonic fans ate it up. For me, it was, like, great. It's not Mario, but whatever. This is this has me very, very interested. And I know my place, like I said, I know my place in this world. I'm a family gaming content creator. Sonic is one of the biggest things in the world. He's got a new Netflix show coming out in the in a month or two, kids love them some Sonic. So if your kid loves them some Sonic, they are going to love opening Sonic Frontiers on freaking Christmas morning. And I would bet kids who love them some Sonic are going to love this game because that's what I found is people who love Sonic, they will find an excuse to love every Sonic game they play. <laughs> and you know what? Whatever. If that means they enjoy their games, I'm super happy for them. Right. Yeah. So uh, last last one, I got two for the grownups and I'll make them very fast. The two that I'm recommending to grown-up gamers, two very different games. We got some God of War Ragnarok. God of War Ragnarok's coming out in a week and a half or so. It's, it's November 9th. So if you're a grown-up with grown-up money, you probably have bought this for yourself when it came out because you've been looking forward to it. But I think this is one that is safe to get. Kratos is super, super rad. And this is a continuation of the original story. And by all accounts, it looks fantastic. And it's made by amazing developers. So that's God of War Ragnarok. And the last one is one that I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would ever play or enjoy, but I both played it and enjoyed it. I, in fact, streamed it for many hours. And that is Elden Ring. It's an action role-playing game that is pretty dark. The story was touched upon by George R.R. Martin. I don't want to say that he wrote it because he didn't, but he touched upon the story and helped develop the world. And you're just a dude running around fighting crazy giant freaking monsters. And it's hard, but man, it feels good to kill those bosses. (laughs) So these are, and this one also came out relatively early this year. So it should not be hard to find on sale. So if you have missed it, Mm. it will, you should not struggle to find it. This is one of those ones that I actually do kind of recommend it. Uh, for a lot of folks, even if you don't, it's very hard. Um, and I'm hilariously bad at video games. So you would think that that would be a bad mix. But I found myself having those like really like hype moments when I killed regular enemies because some of them are really hard. So that's it. That's my whole gift guide, guys. All right. All right. Something for literally everyone. The only question I have is if I can find them on sale, which version of PS Plus should I buy this year? <sighs> Dude. Okay, so PlayStation Plus, if you can get, I think PlayStation Plus is a great service and they added a lot to it this year. Um, there's PlayStation Plus Essentials and there's Plus Extra and Plus Premium. Oh, obviously, it's all going to depend on the sales. And I, my bet is that it's going to be that top tier that is going to be a decent target. All of them include the PlayStation Plus collection, which is a big pile of games. But I think that especially if you like older PlayStation games and like that Game Pass feel of being able to hop in 
and just kind of find stuff and you're not really concerned with playing the newest, latest, and greatest, I think that the PlayStation Plus Premium is a good way to go if you don't already have Game Pass. Because that's one of my favorite parts of Game Pass is that I can, on a Saturday morning, if I don't have something to play, I'm not reviewing anything or whatever, I can just boot up Game Pass because I want to play something, find a game, and download it and have no commitment to it. I can just fart around with it for a little while. I think that's awesome. And I think that PlayStation Plus Premium gets you the closest to that because it has a lot of older games. And it's not just PS1 games. It's PS3, PS2. There's a lot of stuff on there. And uh, yeah, so that would be my personal recommendation. I don't really dig the middle tier, the PlayStation Plus Extra. I feel like you're either going to get the essential plan just so you can get your free your free games and the PlayStation Plus collection, which is a lot of first party titles, or go all the way up to the top. I don't think the middle one is all that Interesting. worth. Okay, good to know. Really, all you get out of that is Ubisoft Classics, which like I, I think it's just probably worth it to just go to the top if you're going to go, uh, especially if you can find a good sale. Because otherwise, just get Plus Essential and get your free three games every month. And, you know, over the course of a year, you know, 36 games, half of them are probably going to be games you care about. Um, They might not all be bangers, but, you know, this month, you know, Neo 2 is pretty cool and Heavenly Bodies is a really cool uh, puzzle game. So, yeah, that would be my recommendation. Just cut the middle right out. Okay. And either go to the Essential or, you know, buy the Cadillac (laughs) because you're worth it. Treat yourself, as they say. Yes, as they say. Fair enough. That's it. We did the thing. We did the thing. Awesome. Well, we made it. All right. Wait. Uh-oh. I have done this with you enough years now, Stephen, to know that we need to tell parents who are buying a video game console for Christmas. Oh. The important steps. I mean, how many times have we done this? We've done this a lot. So, like yeah, for real. Times. Okay, here's the deal. If you're buying a freaking console for your kids, first off, congrats. You won the war because you got a <laughs> PlayStation 5 or whatever. But you know what? I'm going to be real. If you don't have a console right now, man, a PlayStation 4 is looking real good. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm comfortable with, you know, there are probably going to be some really good deals on PS4s, and there's a lot of games. So, don't feel like you have to jump to a PS5 if you can get a good deal on a PS4, especially if you have younger kids or, you know, whatever. But anyway, okay, here's the deal. You're going to be tempted to get that console and wrap it up and be ready to put it under the tree. You're going to be tempted because you're like, you know, whatever. Don't do that. Fight that urge. Wait until wait until they're at school. Open that thing up, plug it in, connect it to your Wi-Fi, and download all the settings. And if you got a game, slide also that disc right on in yes. there. Or connect it to the store and buy something cheap. You know, just look for something inexpensive or download a free game like Fortnite, or there's tons of free games on there. Because on Christmas morning, if you have never connected it before, it's going to have to go through a setup and it's going to take a long time for multiple reasons. One, because a lot of people are doing it, but also because bad actors like to ruin fun. It takes a long time and it's it, very frustrating to be done with Christmas and want your kids to be able to play with their new toy that you obviously put a lot of work and effort and money into getting for them. And it just sits there as a loading bar for six hours. You don't want that. We don't want that for you. So do that while they're at school one day, while they're at a friend's house one night whatever, it'll be way faster on the first week of December than it will be on December 25th or wherever. And I absolutely emphasize, you know, plug a game in or just go into the PlayStation store and buy something cheap. There's plenty of relatively inexpensive games or games that are on sale or free games like Fortnite that just make sure that that way they have something to play while they're installing their other games, you know? Yep, makes sense. So that's a big one. Yeah, and I I mean... 
I'm not the person who does all of that in my family, but it's stuck with me every year that like, <laughs> look, folks, this is where we are now with video game consoles. It takes time to set it up and you need to be prepared for that. And if you want that Christmas morning experience, way better to have it all set up and then unplug it and hide it somewhere. Plug it back in on yeah. Christmas Eve once the kids have gone to bed and just stick yeah. a bow on it. Be like, here you go, kids. Yeah, the Nintendo Switch is a little bit better. So if you're if you're moving into the Nintendo Switch land, the Nintendo Switch is a little bit better. But still, I would just set it up, create the accounts, yeah, get even, it done. Even then, like creating accounts, especially if you want to have the parental controls enabled, it's yep. going to take mm-hmm. you time. And if you need the parental controls, go to ESRB.com. They have the parental controls for everything, including the Meta Quest, by the way. And they're all in there. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's our that's my gift guide. I love coming on here with you guys because it's a, an opportunity to break your rules. I kick over your sandbox. <laughs> and I'm just fine. like this big crazy rebel. But we it's invite fine. you to do it every I year. I know, every time. You it's are true. you are the, the rabid Mario of our podcast. <laughs> I am in fact the rabid Mario. It's gonna be great. <laughs> all right. Well, if people want to find out where you normally break the rules, Stephen, where would they go? It's engagedfamilygaming.com's the website. Uh, we got new content there pretty much every week. But I would encourage people to go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash engagedfamilygaming, or join our community, which is facebook.com slash groups slash engagedfamilygaming. And I'm sure the links will be in the doobly-doo. Yep. It's a really great community of folks that like to ask and answer questions. So if you are confused about video games and want a whole bunch of nerds to like embrace you with the knowledge... We have got you. We got all, all sorts of people with different ranges of experience that come in and help. So it's a great time when people come in and need help because we mm-hmm. got you. All right. And Anitra, where can people find us on the internet? Um, well, you can also find us on Facebook at Family Gamers AA and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and, you know, all those things. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash The Family Gamers. And, of course, you can ask questions about board games in our community, we will try to help with video games, but Steven is way better at that as he has. Hey, I'm in there too. I'm in that group. So, I mean, yeah. listen, if you if you start asking over there, somebody will tag me. They'll throw off the bat signal and I'll just show up <laughs> out of nowhere. It's anyway, so true. you can do that by going to thefamilygamers.com slash community or searching for the Family Gamers community on Facebook. Since we talked about the holidays coming up, I think Family Gamers merchandise or, you know, play games with your kids t-shirts would make yes, excellent holiday games. They would rule. So you should pick one up. You can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. If you have questions, comments, criticisms, uh, you can email us. Andrew at thefamilygamers.com. Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about the show and leave us a review, please, at wherever you listen to this podcast. We're on everything. Keep telling more people and we will spread the love of family games, both board games and video games, at least once in a while. All right. And I think that is going to be it for this show. So... We're going to talk about the board game gift card next week. Yes. That's the plan. All right. But until then, everybody, play, play games, games with, with your kids. kids. Bye. Breaking those rules again. Okay.